Hey guys, Toolman Tim here, coming back at you with another Ramblings from the Road. This one's funny because I already started recording this. I got five minutes out of town and realized that I'd forgot the one thing that I went out of town for today. So, do any of you guys ever do that? Because here's my thing. There's quite often times that I get so focused on the end of the journey that I forget steps on the journey because I'm so into getting it done. It is the weirdest thing. I do that a lot. There's some guy on the side of the road with a long pole poking it in the ditch. I think he might be picking up bottles and cans, except that he's parked right in the middle of the highway. Anyway, things you see on the rural roads in Alberta. So this is something that I do, guys. My entire life, I have always found the most, at least, okay, I have always strove or strived, whatever the proper word is there, to find the most efficient way to do something. When I blow snow, every single property, I map it out in my head and I think, okay, if I take one less step here or cut this corner just a little sharp, or instead of backing up here, I do half this house, half that house, and then come back. I'm always trying to find the most efficiency. I'm sure, you know, at this point, I've got it down to a science for snow, but I still switch things up and try. So, But here's the thing. In my constant struggle for efficiency, in my constant struggle for getting trips done in the exact shortest period of time, I quite often forget or quickly overlook some of the steps I was supposed to take on these long trips. So I don't know if anybody else does this, but today... I had to go out of town, I had to go check on the one property, the furthest one out, that was boarded up. I had to come back to Wainwright, pick up a key for my ATV, and then do two drive-bys. So, of course I went to the end of the journey, that makes sense. And of course I went to look for the key for the ATV because Becky reminded me. Now all this stuff is in my agenda book, but sometimes you forget. Then. I'm like, well, let's gear up, get all my stuff ready to start recording my ramblings from the road, and let's make miles. So I get about three miles out of town as I'm recording, and I realize, well, shit, I didn't do either drive-by. Two-thirds of the reason I went on the drive today, so I had to turn around and do that. That is how single-minded I can be when it comes to <laughs> a destination, which can serve you for the better, and can also serve against you at times. So, anybody else out there do that? Now, here's the next thing I've been thinking about. Uh, the routes that we take from one place to another. Back when we lived on the East Coast in Nova Scotia, and most of you can be forgiven for not knowing the geography of Nova Scotia, considering how small and out of the way it is, but it's a long, skinny province where... At any point, you're really not much more than 100 kilometers from the ocean. And we lived in a very rural area. We had, you know, a Walmart and stuff. But if we wanted to go to town for, uh, say, Taco Bell or the theater or anything like that for the kids, back to school shopping, it was an hour in one direction or an hour and 20 in the other. And we preferred the hour and 20 to Kenfield New Minus because they had a lot more to pick from and we just liked that uh, direction a little better. So, all the way around Nova Scotia, the highways follow the coast. Makes sense, because 
it's really the only way you could do it there because it's basically rock and you know in the 60s and 70s they started putting in highways instead of the the older roads that would go from town to town and the highways are still two-way traffic but they're 100 kilometers an hour and they bypass towns and cities they have exits so it makes things a lot smoother well that that tended to be the way we we would travel for a while but after a while we got into the habit of taking the old road and the old road, of course, was what was there before they put in the highway. So it was the, you know, 100 kilometer an hour roads between towns, but then it would drop down to 50 kilometer an hour, 30 mile an hour into the towns. But you get to see more. You get to experience more. We used to take that road and stop at three or four of our, fam our, our favorite farmer's markets to pick up potatoes and carrots and all that stuff. It was fun. But we enjoyed that. The road had more personality we yeah it was it was it was our thing so the reason i bring that up is that i have realized not that there's a lot of shortcuts on the prairies because everything is a right angle or straight line from point a to point b but whenever i went to wainwright i would always take the main highway you know, highway 13 to highway 41 and it's pretty blah there's not much to see and then i picked up a couple of properties in edgerton a while back i don't have them now so I would always have to bypass through Edgerton, which got me comfortable with taking the old road. Quote, unquote, the old road. Still not a lot to see, but it's a little more through farm town and you go through a couple little communities and that sort of thing. And now I catch myself taking that road home, even though I don't need to anymore. It adds about five minutes to my trip, but I enjoy it. it it's a little more laid back. You don't deal with traffic. You don't see cops. You get to go through a couple little towns. There's a little uh, gas station grill that sometimes we'll stop at. When I was eating ice cream, we would stop there for ice cream or deep fried macaroni and cheese bites. Not healthy, but uh, always fun. But I just, I enjoy it. It takes me back through. It takes me in front of the Hutterite colony through a little town that has a church that you cross over the railroad tracks. And then it takes me down... Highway 899, past my in-laws' place. So I just enjoy it. Past the gun range, just a few things. It has a little bit to see. Now I know, man, Tim, you sound like a country bumpkin, but that's just what I enjoy. I, I like the old roads. Probably, in some ways, I'm turning into my father because he used to do that as well. But it's enjoyable. So that's my thoughts about old roads. So questions for you at this point. Uh, number one, <laughs> do you ever get lost? And, and this is almost like I'm contradicting myself. Because at first I say, I always have to find the most efficient route from one way to another. And I have to be as fast and in the shortest period of time as possible. But then I turn around and say, but I also take back roads that take longer to get there and you meander and that sort of thing. So I don't know. Do you guys do either or or both? Because that's something that I'm sure I'm not alone in. Next thing I've been thinking about is uh, some of the prepper projects that we've been working on lately. And I have realized that no matter how much a person tries to develop a routine, uh, kind of every day or every month kind of schedule, it doesn't always work that way. And what I find is life comes in lumps. <laughs> and let me explain a little bit because you guys all know the gas rotation system where you have 
you know, six or 12 five gallon gas cans. And every month you take one and dump it into your truck. And then you take that empty one to the gas station and you refill it so that you're never more than 12 months in the age of the gas you have on hand. An easy way to have 60 gallons, you know, uh, 240 liters. Is that right? 60 gallons, something like Anyway, yeah. 20 liters per 12. Yeah, 240 liters of gas. An easy way to have that much on hand. Now, that's all good and well if you do that every month. And I recommend that. And I try to do that. And then I'll go three months where I do it. And then what will happen is, because I use quite a bit of gas in my machinery, whether it's my zero turn mower or my snow blower, or when I need to mix it up for two-stroke stuff. So what I found yesterday was it had been two months since I filled them, and I had four and a half five-gallon jugs empty. So I went and I filled them. I used my PRI-G. I put a, what is it, a half ounce or whatever it is in the bottom of each jug, and then I took them up and I filled them all. Because having a schedule like that doesn't mean you're going to stick to the schedule. But what I find is when you have that schedule, it helps keep you, how do I want to put this? It helps keep you on schedule even if you don't do it exactly when you're supposed to. Very similar to generator maintenance. So I tell everybody to do their generator maintenance every two months. I usually honestly do my generator maintenance every two months. But sometimes I forget a little bit. But guess what? As soon as I start getting close to that two months and I know, oh, I'm due for those two months, it really gets in the back of my head. And so if I put it off an extra little bit of time, that's okay too. You know, three months is not a big deal either, but it's when you go six months or eight months. But the reason I say two months is because I know in my head, two months is ideal, but if I put it off an extra month each time, that means I still get it done quarterly every year, if that makes sense. You almost got to hack yourself into the system. So this is a lot of honesty here today because I want you guys to know I'm sure there's lots of things that you wish you did on a regular basis that you don't get around to as often as you'd like, and I don't either. I'm also getting ready to study for my basic, uh, basic with honors testing for ham radio, which means I'll have all the HF privileges I need gives me 560 watts instead of 800, I believe, which is the maximum here in Canada. But other than that, it'll allow me to contact anywhere and everywhere I want to. And again, another thing where I needed to hack my brain or hack my schedule, I contacted the guy and said, hey, I would like to make a date for, uh, he does Zoom calls where he watches you do your exam. And then if you pass it, it gives you your accreditation and whatever. It's great. It was one of the best byproducts of the COVID thing, especially in Canada, because before that, you always had to travel somewhere for an in-person test. And for me, it was an hour and 15 minutes each way, you know, half a day to a day. This way, I can just do it in an evening, just like I normally do. But here's the thing. I kept telling myself for ages, Tim, you need to take this test. You need to take this test. But I never started studying because I said, oh, I'll start studying. Once I start studying and I get to a point where I'm ready to take the test, I'll book the exam. It doesn't work that way. So what I do is I book the exam and then it forces me to study. And then Yozik in the Telegram group today asked me how my studying's going. And I said, well, 
Uh, I did half of one day so far and I have nine days to do it. So I need to get my ass in gear. So it turns out that there's four of us that are like, hey, we all need to do this. So we're going to create a little accountability group on Telegram and remind each other each day and kick each other in the ass if we don't get around to doing it. So that's the way it is. Now here's another one. You know, a couple of years ago when Becky was out of town, I rented a concrete saw, cut through, made the pe prepper pantry. If you haven't seen the video, it was pretty cool. It was a fun little project I did. So we turned an old cistern in the basement into an emergency prepper pantry. And it was stocked up really well. And, you know, I tell people, hey, do the copy canning thing because that's what's taught and it's a great idea and it works, except when you don't do it. And so we realized, hey, we're getting a little bit low on a bunch of things. But here's the problem. None of it was organized. So we have two storage rooms in the basement, our prepper pantry and our downstairs bathroom. Our downstairs bathroom is basically a toilet with a whole bunch of shelving all the way around it. And it holds a ton of shit. The problem is, is that for the last few months, we've been busy or not thinking about it. We just throw shit in there and we didn't get it organized. So two weekends ago, while Becky was out of town, the weather was a little bit cold. I decided to take the day and organize them both. So we went through the prepper pantry, put everything back. You know, you put your you know, pasta sauces and veggies in one spot and your dry noodles in another and your proteins in another. By the time you get it organized, you're like, holy shit. The old pantry shelves are getting a little bit bare. So our next step, which we have not done yet, is for her and I to go down together and to make a list and to get our asses back in gear. So again, I kind of had to organize things. These are some of the ways I kind of hack my brain. The bathroom was the same way. The bathrooms where we keep all of our Amazon subscription toiletries, all that stuff we've had on auto subscribe and save for years now and so what I like about doing that is when you organize that kind of shit you realize oh all right we have two dozen four packs of Colgate toothpaste probably enough for the next decade so off that comes off the subscribe and save for a while we have quite a bit of ivory soap so instead of getting two family packs a month I cut it back to one now, what else was there? Oh, deodorant. We, we doubled up the deodorant a while ago because it was so cheap and we started stocking up on that. And we've got two or three years worth of deodorant for both of us now. So we cut it back. And then there was three or four items that I realized, wow, we really are just kind of living month to month on this stuff. So we need to up the subscription. So there was um, one thing, I think it was Swiffer pads was one thing that... I was, we seemed like we were always kind of running out of, and I organized them and I realized, man, we use a couple of boxes of them a month and we're only getting a box a month, or maybe it was a box every two months. So again, guess what? I upped that and that makes sense. That's the type of thing. That's why you do this kind of stuff all the time. And that's part of the reason why I put these systems into place is so that when the systems start, quote unquote, falling apart a little bit, it gives you a standard to bring everything back up to. And that's what really helps keep me on my toes when it comes to that kind of stuff. Now, another thing we started last year, and this wasn't necessarily a system, but I don't know about you guys, but I am an absolute anal retentive list maker. Whenever I want to get shit done, I make a list. 
And so last year, and part of this came on to the fact that we had a, a well-established, well-rounded prepper pantry in the basement. So we figured, hey, the stuff we eat on a regular basis, we're stocked up on really well. And this was about the time that uh, Russia invaded the Ukraine. So it had me on mind of, you know, what can I do to up our preps? And so for a long time, for a few years, we had been thinking about really starting to put together a long-term dry goods storage system. And so if you guys saw me last year, we got into buying a lot of uh, uh, five-gallon buckets with the um, screw-down lids on them and the Mylar bags and sealing them. We did really well. And so I calculated calories for a family of four for a year. And then we figured out all the access to all the dry goods that we had. We made a list of the things we liked to eat the most. And then we made quantities. How many five-gallon buckets of each thing do we need? And then we started packing it away and putting it away. And it's a really good project to do in the winter because I find in the summer, I'm so busy doing outdoor projects, I don't think about that. So we got about half of it done. Half of it was in the budget at the time. And we used things like uh, Costco Business Center. Actually, that was our biggest one. We ordered a ton of stuff from there. And we started sealing stuff up and we realized we got about you know about a half a year's worth of stuff. Now, that doesn't mean we have exactly six months of each thing. But what it means is we have a year's worth of flour. We have a month's worth of cornmeal. We got a, you know, a year's worth of ground coffee, but we don't have any salt. So we're not there yet, right? And it would be cool if we did six months worth of everything. But what I find is I like to, you know, if I'm going to put flour away, I like to buy all the flour and get it all done at once. So it's time to start stocking up on that. And we'll try to do that before Becky takes her trip to England, because if she doesn't, we might not get to it this year. So there's that. And the reason I kind of share all this stuff, like I said, is that these systems are great. They work awesome. But a step-by-step system that you implement and put in place, you don't have to be a slave to it because life gets in the way. We had someone, I'm not going to mention their name, even though I'm sure they know who they are, in the Telegram group the other day who said that instead of doing quote-unquote productive things, They spent the whole weekend with their grandkids and kids and woke up Monday feeling a little bit guilty. And I told them, hey, here's the deal. You did the thing you wanted to do, you needed to do. The feelings don't mean sweet shit all. The fact that you spent the weekend with your grandkids and kids is awesome. Going by a little sand dune right now and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, about 15 or 20 mule deers there, a couple with some big racks on them. So anyway, I told uh, this person that that's what matters. And the reason I told them that is because I struggle with the same thing. I'll spend entire weekends working on projects or business things that need to get done and then think, God damn it, my girls are going to be 13 in May. How many more years do I have of them around the house? How many more months do I have of them where they want to hang out with me before they get annoyed with me? So Like I said, we put these systems into place to keep us accountable, but not to make us a slave to them. Because there's times on Sunday this week that just passed, I decided my ass was going to sleep in. And I haven't done that in ages. And you know what? I laid in bed till 10 o'clock in the morning. 
and I laid there and I woke up at 9.30 and I thought, oh shit, look how much time I wasted. And I thought, no, I didn't. I slept in, laid down in bed with my beautiful wife and chilled and relaxed because I seen something the other day, another meme that I shared two or three years ago, and it was a great reminder and a slap to my face. And it said, what I think being productive is, and it said 100% hard work. And then it said what productive really is. And it split it down to like 25% hard work. And then equal parts, family time, leisure time, rest, hobbies, all of that. And I was like, oh boy, if that's not a slap, because that happens. So that, that's my whole idea behind putting systems and things into place. And then I figured, hey, why don't I share just a few, I don't know if you call them failures. Nothing's a failure as long as you learn from it. If you repeat the same mistake multiple times, then you can call that a failure. But even then, if you learn from it, you're doing okay. But a couple of things that I did over the last couple of years that I called my prepping failures, and I don't know if it was from taking on too much or whatever it was, but... The big one I want to share first is my attempt at bulk fuel storage. So I had a system, I have the system, the Jack Spearco 12 five gallon jugs of fuel, which you guys just heard me talk about. And that has been my system and has fared me well as I built it up from three to six to 12 jugs over about a five year period at this point. And a couple of years ago, I heard Jack do that episode where a Somebody wrote in for either the expert counselor or community feedback episode, and they said, hey, I just got a 100 or 200 gallon tank from the local farm store. They deliver automatically. I get a discount. They basically lease me the tank for nothing. It sounds like a great idea. And at the moment, I'm like, well, shit, that is a great idea. And I had all these, I said, I'm going to get a tank and I'm going to store it. And then I'm going to get, maybe I'll make a, a mobile tank so that I don't have to you know, shimmy around fuel storage rules for in town because I found out, okay, well, the farm place doesn't deliver it. And then I I got looking. And so I really, really wanted a tank. I found a nice 100-gallon tank online. But it was a friggin' three-hour each way trip. So it was basically a seven-hour round trip to go pick up this $150 fuel tank, which was absolutely stupid to begin with. I went to pick it up. It had been sitting outside for a while. I asked the guy, I said, hey, is it in good shape? Oh yeah, great shape. I had fuel in it last year. I get it home and the goddamn thing has two or three pinhole leaks in it. The guy just, anyway, my own fault. I should have taken more time to look at it. It'd been sitting on the ground for a lot longer than it should have. And some pebbles, tiny little round pebbles worked their way up through. So that was the first thing. I get that home. I start washing it out and I realize I got one of two options. Number one, I turf this thing, start over, chalk up the $150 plus the day's trip as a lesson in stupidity, or I decide to try to patch it or weld it or whatever. So I decided, well, let's try to patch it. So I bought some of this patch for metal fuel tanks at the automotive shop. Didn't work at all tried to clean out the inside. It was so full of gunk that I think I would have had to take it and had it sandblasted. So that didn't work at all. So now I'm stuck with a $150 boat anchor. It's no good for nothing. 
sitting in my yard. So you would think, well, what do you do, Tim? Do you cut your losses? Nope, I doubled down. So about two weeks later, I'm heading to Lloydminster, the closest city, and I see there's this really well-to-do farm up there, and the guy has a yard sale. Ah, it's not really a yard sale. It's a guy who has some really nice stuff that he's cleaning out his shop, so he puts five or six items out to the highway and says, drop in to see me. So he had a beautiful 100-gallon fuel tank up on stilts. Came with a stand, came with a tank, came with the uh, gravity-fueled pump, a filter, everything you need. Okay. I think he wanted 400 bucks for it. So you, you can see where this is going. Didn't, uh, I didn't double guess myself. I thought I was, I was a slave to the idea that I needed more fuel on hand and that this would be easier. So we're going to keep going through this process so that you can see how sometimes better isn't always better in my scenario. Doesn't mean it wasn't better for some people, just not better for me. So I'm driving by, I see it, I'm like, oh shit, I don't have any cash. So I stop in to see the old guy and I said, hey, I'm going to bring my trailer back up tomorrow. Will you hold it for, oh yeah, no problem. So he held it for me until the next day. I went back up the next day with truck and trailer. He helped me load it on. The thing was damn heavy. I get it back. I pressure wash out the inside. I spend hours sanding the thing down. I spend hours painting the thing. Then... I clean it out some more and clean it out some more and there seems to be a little bit of gunk left in it but I said now nah, that should that should wash out and the filter should catch it so it turns out the filter was a water filter something I didn't know it wasn't a sediment filter so I then proceed to figure well okay where am I gonna put it I said well I'm gonna put it in the garage because I don't want people to know I have a hundred gallon thing of gas so I put it in there and the thing has a vent on it so whenever it gets hot, it expels the fumes. Well, you can imagine how dangerous that is and how stinky that is. Well, that didn't work for very long at all. But I had taken the other thing. How am I going to fill it? Uh, it's not like I can haul it anywhere because it's stationary on a stand in my garage. So I took the five-gallon jugs, dumped them all in there. And then I figured, well, how am I going to do this? So then for a couple of months, I would go fill a five gallon jug, bring it back and dump it in there. And I thought, this is absolutely foolish. I am wasting so much time. Why am I doing it this way? When I was already filling five gallon jugs anyway, basically to just have an extra 40 gallons worth of fuel. So I wasn't even doubling my fuel capacity at this point. So that tells you something. But again, I was married to the idea. It seemed like a good idea. I told Becky and she just kind of Rolls her eyes, shakes her head, and says, yes, honey, I know. So you'd think at that point I would say, well, something's wrong. I can't do this. No, 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 I didn't do that. So what I did do was I started using the fuel. And it's just gravity-fed, and I couldn't get anything to come out of it. And I thought, man, this is weird. It shouldn't be like that. So I checked the filter, and it's 100% clogged up. So then I have to order a new filter, a filter assembly on the Internet for sediment because the guy had used diesel in it. It got old. It got gelled. I didn't realize this. So I start filling up my zero turn mower with it because I'm stupid thinking, oh, this is great. I can just back up, gravity feed it. Don't have to use a five gallon jug anymore. I love it. Fill it up. 
hop on the zero turn mower, start her up, and head down to the local computer shop that I have to mow. It's a block and a half away. Runs fine till I get there, go to engage the deck, and as soon as I do, the whole thing just dies. And I go to turn it over and nothing. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Well, all that old gel from the diesel I thought I'd got washed out and triple rinsed and quadruple rinsed and everything under the sun. Yep, clogged up the fuel line, the fuel filter. I was lucky I had a fuel filter in there, didn't get into the carburetor. So I had to get I had to get a new fuel filter, had to clean out the fuel line, had to wash out the gas tank. And at that point I realized this is a failed experiment because I'm just putting good money after bad wasting time. It's not as safe as I'd like it to be. It's not practical. I said, screw this. <laughs> so I told Becky, I said, list it online. I ended up selling it for $400. I didn't make my money back. I made the money I spent on it originally, but I didn't get the, the money I spent for something like 50 flapper discs to sand it down. All the paint that I painted it with, the extra filter that I had to buy an assembly, the $150 that I didn't have because I bought that first tank and lost it, about three five-gallon jugs worth of fuel that I had to dispose of because it got contaminated. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't siphon the other stuff out. I didn't have all the time I spent on it. So there's no way I, I can justify to myself that was even a break even. So sometimes I need to stop and think about these projects that I'm working on and think, is bigger always better? Because guess what? In order to fill that thing, I had to climb up my six foot step ladder with a five gallon jug in my hand and dump it into the top of that tank. I kept looking for a good DC powered fuel pump, nothing they nothing was recommended for use with gas because it fumes and volatility and all of that. So I basically took a dead fucking simple system of 12 five gallon jugs that literally took me 10 minutes a month to handle to a system that had way more moving parts, way more chances for failure, way less convenient, way more work way more money. Let's chalk it up as a learning lesson. So now when I get an idea in that like that, I try to force myself to wait a little while because bigger isn't always better. And you think, wow, I would love to have, no, maybe you wouldn't because you have a system that works really, really great. And guess what? If I really want to, if I wanted to get absolutely insane and I wanted to nearly double my fuel capacity, you know, it's way easier for me just add another 12 five-gallon jugs because really when it comes down to it $20 per five-gallon jug go buy 12 more of them $240 to go get 12 more five-gallon jugs 240 liters add a buck 25 a liter you're looking at you know $350 so for $600, I could have had more extra capacity than what I had with that. 
on the exact same system that I'm used to, much simpler. But you know what I realized? I'm okay with 60 gallons worth of fuel storage on hand because I've gotten absolutely anal about not allowing my truck to go below half a tank. I'm trying really hard to get Becky there. She knows it's important. She tries to remember. But what normally happens is she messages me at work and like, hey, honey, my gas light's on. And she knows that I will gladly take it up and fill it for her. So look at ways to make things simpler, not more complicated. And just because something works for somebody on a farm that has room and a way to get it pumped in doesn't mean it's going to work for you or me who lives in a municipality or a town with neighbors on either side who can't get it, you know, all of that. So there it is. I ended up selling it. I had thoughts of turning it into a mobile fuel uh, station, but I looked at it and to get one of those um, DC fuel pumps that you put on the back. So what I may end up doing someday, and it won't happen now, but what I wouldn't mind doing is if I end up getting an extended box truck at some point, if I ever replace the one I have, I'll get a slip tank on the back that holds 100 gallons or 50 gallons and put one of those pumps on there. It'll be a couple of grand to do it, but it'll be there. It'll be permanent storage that I can cycle through. It'll be easy to handle. But until then, we're going to call that stupidity and we're going to move on from it. So that's why we have systems. That's why we make lists. It's why we have steps for certain items. It helps us get through. <laughs> it helps keep us organized. And like I said, bigger and new isn't always better. So that was the absolute epitome of a ramblings from the road. I covered three or four different topics that all loosely based together. I hope you enjoyed it. I believe this episode's probably going to come out on Saturday because I'm going to have to reschedule my Saturday live stream or cancel my Saturday live stream because the girls have a last minute basketball tournament a long ways out of town. So I'm looking forward to going with them and it's going to be a lot of fun, but changes things up. So this is what this is for. So I hope you enjoy it. I look at my fuel tank and I'm at about five eighths of a tank. I'm about 15 minutes from home. So I'm going to pull in and fill up the gas tank when I get to town because that is what we do. So guys, that's it for me this week. As always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.